The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the latest Windy City Gridiron Radio. With you, as always, is your host, Robert Siglinski. You can follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron and follow me on Twitter at Robert Zaglinski, and today we're going to talk the Bears' offense against the Seahawks' defense in the upcoming Monday night football matchup, the Bears' 2018 home opener. To help me preview that matchup, I've brought in the Athletic Seattle's Ben Baldwin, who you can follow on Twitter, at Ben Baldwin, that's at B-E-N-B-B-A-L-D-W-I-N, that's at Ben, B-B-A-L-D-W-I-N. Ben, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to talking about this game that feels like it's forever away, but I'm sure we'll be here before we know it. Yeah, I, I was I was going to say, let's not get too anticipatory because <laughs> I almost feel like it's going to be very ugly. And, 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 and so it's, we're just we're just missing football right now. But then once the game's happening, considering how Mitch Trubisky looks and considering uh, that Seahawks offensive line against Khalil Mack. I'm not. I'm not sure this will. This will be as pretty or, or as or we will we'll be as excited on Monday as we are now. Yeah, it might be a disaster, uh, which is unfortunate because it's the one primetime game of the day. So everyone will be watching and probably making fun of both of these teams. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that. Let's let's jump to the the defense or the Seahawks defense. That is. Um, I know it's not the legion of boom. I, um, in fact, it's a far cry from that. I, I, I see that the Broncos almost had 500 yards of offense, Ben. But there are still some good. I mean, there's still some good players. Earl Thomas is still there. Bobby Wagner, uh, Frank Clark. Where do the Bears still have to? Uh, I guess, worry or concern themselves, especially given their uh, paltry second half performance against the Packers. Yeah. those. <clears throat> sorry. Those are <laughs> when you start naming good players on the Seahawks defense, you kind of run out of names pretty fast. And those are the three names. So yeah, they used to be a longer, they used to be a longer. <laughs> yeah. time, I admit it. Like I stopped like, okay. And then everybody else might be good or maybe, maybe good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, so over the offseason, they lost uh, Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Richard Sherman, Sheldon Richardson, and I'm probably forgetting people. Uh, K.J. Wright is out. Uh, I think he, I think he'll miss this game as well. He missed the first game, and uh, his replacements really struggled uh, replacing him. So if they just manage to not throw near where Earl Thomas is, then there's really not a whole lot to worry about. Uh, there's 
there was almost no pass rush and the Broncos aren't exactly known for their offensive line. Um, the, uh, the, the player playing right cornerback Trey flowers was drafted in the fifth round and converted from safety and then thrown onto the field in week one, just um, because uh, I, I think the plan was to go with Byron Maxwell, but he got hurt. So there, there's just, there's a lot of weaknesses everywhere. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, Trubisky can bounce back from the, especially the second half of that game uh, when he's facing Seattle's defense. You you know that the, the Broncos aren't really known for their offensive line play. Um, I, I think that's also, in general, just extending that further, that gives a lot of credit, or maybe we shouldn't really credit Case Keenum, who had, I mean, he threw three picks, but then he also had 329 yards. Um, I assume that wasn't necessarily against Thomas, or that was when they weren't throwing in Thomas's direction. So there, there was one play where Earl Thomas probably made a mistake, and that was the long Emmanuel Sanders touchdown. Uh, but other than that, he he was not the the reason that uh, Denver was scoring. They they took Thomas off the field for ten plays because he was. Um, he had just come back after skipping training camp in preseason, so they didn't want to have him play the whole game. And uh, Denver scored three touchdowns in the game, and two of them came on the drives where Earl Thomas missed plays. So the hope from the Seahawks is if Earl Thomas, if they think he's ready to be full go and he doesn't have to come off the field on defense, then it looks like a different defense when he doesn't have to sit plays out. Was it wait? Was it always like this? Even when the Legion of Boom was in its heyday, where Thomas had to be at full go, where um, he was basically the fabric holding everything together. Yeah, that's exactly right. So this is <clears throat> uh, he didn't really miss any snaps the first six seasons or so of his career from 2010 through 2015, and then in 2016 he got injured, and then when he went out, the the defense took a huge dive. Last year, he got injured, and when uh, when he was out, they took a huge dive. And now this is the third year in a row when uh, where when Earl Thomas isn't on the field, the, the Seahawks defense goes from a pretty good defense to one that's well below average. So he he's just that important, which makes it all the more confusing why the team seems so reluctant to extend him. For the Griffin brothers, we'll get back to Thomas in a bit. For the Griffin brothers, how have they looked so far? Obviously, Shaquille Griffin has a little more experience. Shaquille Griffin, uh, great story too. Also, actually, good football player. Um, how have they looked so far, and what are reasonable expectations for them? So you don't necessarily have to go off one game sample size. That's the preseason and camp too, because I know that's that's more of what we have to work on. Shaquille looks great. He's the uh, uh, no one can really fill Richard Sherman's shoes, but. He, he's he's trying and, and doing a good job. So he's the heir apparent to holding down that left uh, cornerback slot um, from the defensive side. Um, Shaquem really struggled in his first game, and uh, it, it's his first NFL game, so we don't want to be too hard on him, but he was filling in for K.J. Wright, who's been kind of one of the rocks of the, the Seahawks defense for the last many, many years. And um, he was... Notably out of place in a couple of places, took a, a couple of bad tackling angles, and um, there was a, a long kind of dump off to uh, I think it's Philip Lindsay, that the rookie Broncos running back, and um, that was Griffin's Shaquem's responsibility, and he wasn't there, and, and it turned into like a 
30 or 40 yard touchdown just from a, a dump off to a running back. So um, the Seahawks gave up several big plays, which is really not what they want to do. And Shaquem Griffin was um, partially or fully responsible for some of them. What are, what are what are reasonable expectations for him as a rookie? Since especially since he's starting right away, so what, how how do you want to see him progress over the course of the year? Into, into yeah, that that's a fair question. the The hope would be that he would at least be like assignment correct, okay. and um, like it and and it, it it is such an unfair thing to ask because KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner have been playing side by side since. Wagner was drafted in 2012, so that's uh, what five, six years of experience together. So they they know everything that they're going to be doing, and throwing a rookie into that situation is just uh, it, it's such a hard thing to ask. But the Seahawks don't really have anyone else that uh, they can have do it. So um, the the hope is he'll learn and uh, won't be such a uh, vulnerability as as he was on Sunday. Uh, another, I guess, experiment that I, I, I noted and, and I forgot, I completely, uh, to be honest, I completely forgot that the Seahawks signed him. Uh, Barkevius Mingo, what are, uh, I guess, the, 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 we can call him a bust, right? Based on yeah. expectations. Yeah, he's a bust. Okay. So what, I mean, he's starting, he started, he's, he's, and he's featuring significantly on this, on the, in the box score and he started, um, what are reasonable expectations for him? Or is that just something that the Seahawks are trying to salvage because they were desperate? Yeah, they're, they're definitely desperate for a pass rush. So they have him and Dion Jordan, both formerly very highly drafted players who. Oh, Dion, oh my God. Dion <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah. Oh man. They've gone through so many players from the top of the 2013 draft. So last year they had Luke Jokel, who was drafted like second overall or something. Uh, they brought in Deion Jordan. They they brought in Marcus Smith, who was also, I think he was the 14th overall pick in that, maybe the 2014 draft. So they really like their former highly drafted players. So uh, Mingo and Jordan are the, are the two that are still playing semi-prominent roles on the team. Uh, for Mingo, it's... Um, I don't really have a good sense of how they'll use him. Uh, he's he's normally a strong side linebacker, which uh, that position's kind of dying out in the NFL as more teams are putting three wide receivers on the field and then uh, defenses are putting five defensive backs on the field instead. So I'm, I'm wondering if they'll use him to rush the passer on third downs or provide some sort of speed on the defense, but I don't really have a great sense of that one yet. If you're if you're the Bears and outside of you know just in general not throwing towards Thomas or throwing in Thomas's general vicinity, where where do you attack the Seattle defense? Where where is the main weakness? Where do you focus on with with with, with your backs, your receivers, what what have you? Uh, so so I think the two weak spots are whoever if KJ Wright's not there, whoever's playing weak side linebacker. So that's probably Shaquem Griffin. Uh, either that or uh, the left side, whoever's playing uh, wide receiver off to the left side where they can attack Trey Flowers, uh, who really struggled. So uh, those are the two players I would really take a look at. Have you seen the the discussion going around about whether Mitch Trubisky can throw to his left? Yeah, I don't necessarily 
by that. I just think he doesn't see the field well. That's a different thing. Okay, so if he can throw to his left, then this would definitely be the game to do it because the Trey Flowers will be over there, and that that's really the the spot to uh, target in this game. I I think I think Trubisky can throw to his left. I I don't think he can see to his left. I think that's more that's that's more of the accurate uh, evaluation. So got it. Um, I mean, ideally, ideally he would be he'd be able to take advantage of Flowers, but I'm not sure he'll make the progression towards there. Um, as far as the rushing game, so Denver had 146 yards rushing. Was that just basically straight up play? Is that just Lindsey and Royce Freeman and I guess Devontae Booker with two carries uh, running rough shot. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they, they both, they both look good. It, sometimes it's hard to tell whether, uh, whether the running backs are doing really well or if the defense is just playing poorly. And I, I haven't gone back to watch the Denver's rushing uh, offense snaps that closely. So I don't have a great sense, but um but it's not like the Broncos are known for being a good rushing team. So yeah, that's what, that, I feel like that's the whole theme here. The the Broncos offense isn't really good, and I'm looking at this box score aside from Keenum's three. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of disconcerting if if I, if I was like if I was looking at this from a Seattle perspective and just you know aside. Oh, from- yeah, and if Keenum. If Keenum hadn't thrown three interceptions, it could have been a really ugly game for from Seattle's perspective. So one of his three interceptions, the Earl Thomas one, Thomas returned it to the Denver 15-yard line, and then uh, Wilson threw a touchdown on the next play. So without those plays, then Seattle's offense probably looks worse and their defense probably looks worse. So uh, having that, having all that happen against the Broncos, who were a 5-11 and team last year, is not a great sign for how the season's going to go. I I would imagine I don't I don't know if I'd necessarily classify Frank Clark as someone that's um well that's a game he's he's not like a game breaker in the classic sense where you absolutely have to double him and and um you know make and make sure he make sure he's always taken care of like you know like Khalil Mack or Von Miller but he's still a guy that's consistently gotten double digit sacks and pressures uh, through his career so far. Um, if you're the bears, how do you slow him? Is it just as simple as, you know, he's not, he's the real only consistent pass rushing threat. Yeah. He and he and Deion Jordan were the only players that got at least two pressures on Sunday, which is uh, kind of sad. Uh, Clark had three and uh, Deion Jordan had two and, Keenum was not under pressure very often. So you sound so depressed and I, and I feel bad. <laughs> it, so it, it's not that surprising because there's so much talent that left over the off season and especially the pass rushers. So uh, Michael Bennett and Sheldon Richardson between them, according to pro football focus had more than a hundred pressures on the quarterback over the course of the season. So if you let two players who are that good walk without replacing them, then you're just, you're going to have, you're going to struggle placing pressure on the quarterback. Um, I, I think they had high hopes for their third round draft pick, Rasheem Green, but he and, and he had a nice preseason, but he really didn't do anything um, on Sunday. So as long as you uh, make sure Frank Clark doesn't wreck your offensive game plan, which he's he's not really a player who does that. Yeah, like you said, he's not a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller. Um, he's a good player, but he's not a, a transcendent player like those guys, then um, it, it, 
Trubisky is probably not going to be under pressure a lot of the time. Yeah, it'll be with the pressure Trubisky will see will be more ghosts than uh, <laughs> than moving around in the pocket when there's not even any actual pressure. So that's that's a fair assessment. Um, it, if you're I, I, I'm struggling to to find proper phrasing for this. <laughs> if you what what are what are what are your expectations of Seattle's defense in this game? I, 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 that's kind of leads into predictions, but that that's a little separate. What are your expectations? What, again, I just noted you sounded depressed, but I, I I think I think you expect them to take advantage of Trubisky a little bit. Is what is what I'm guessing? Yeah, so it's it's hard to know who the the real Mitch Trubisky is. Is is it the one we saw at the beginning of the Packers game or the rest of the game? And uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on whether they just ran out of plays that the Packers hadn't seen before or if the the, the play calling got conservative once they got out to a big lead or um, whether that's the real Trubisky. You know what it is, Ben? And and it was was me essentially taking the biggest – L like publicly because I was one of the people that was like, Oh, why are you guys all getting mad about preseason snaps? And I wrote like columns and analysis (laughs) about all that stuff when you know when Nagy when there was that big little hubbub, I'm not sure if you were familiar with what would happen, uh where they rested their starters against Kansas City. And I was like, It doesn't matter, you know, they don't want the injuries, like they're gonna be fine. And then Nagy says that it was the preseason snaps that that was the reason that they faltered in the second half and if you think about it, it's because they faltered once uh, once they got off of their initial playbook script. So once they actually had to, like, you know, just call things on their own once they didn't have that. So um, I do think it was it was the fact that they, that, they, that they ran out of play calls. And I do think it, it was partly the preseason snaps. And I feel stupid. And <laughs> and, I'm, and, and, I, and I I haven't said it like on Twitter or any articles or anything, but anyone that's going to listen to this uh, is, that disagreed with me is going to have to like the, the like the, the, <laughs> the biggest, most sheepish smile just, just to rub it in. Um, that's so- interesting. I throughout a lot of the preseason, I was saying how it, it was really dumb that the Seahawks were playing their starters, like in the third preseason game. So maybe I'm going to have to walk that one back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I think, you're still right for 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 defensive guys. I mean, for that that's fine. I, I think for Trubisky and the offense, they were learning a new offense. They probably actually still could have u- maybe used those 35 snaps. So you know, what once they were, I know they were still they're still vanilla, but they still but they could have used those snaps to see what would have happened um, once they didn't have the scripts anymore. Because that's that's what the first half against the Packers was. They they came out with a with a nice script that the, that the Packers weren't ready for and kept them off balance. And then once Green Bay's defense and Mike Patton adjusted, Nagy and company didn't, they didn't know how to respond. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't have, they didn't have anything on script to be able to combat that. Um, I think Green Bay was mostly in a dime defense throughout the second half. And that wasn't something that the bears have seen live reps of. So that's really concerning. Um, hopefully with an extra day, Going into this game against the Seahawks, um, they might be a little better, but I, I would, I guess what I'm saying is I would feel a little good about Seattle's de- Seattle's defense against Mr. Bisky is what I'm saying. Yeah, I would, I would think they would do better than they did 
in Denver. Um, another one of the problems is it's just it's so hard to play at altitude in Denver if you're not used to it. So if, if you're flying up from sea level and and trying to compete for 60 minutes, then you just run out of air eventually. So that was probably part of the problem as well. So at least in Chicago, that won't be an issue. Well, um, this, this is where I make a windy city joke or something. But what, anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, but but if if they struggle again uh, against the Bears, then that would be real cause for concern all right ben let's game predictions how you see this playing out officially um and and i i'll share my thoughts as well so i think the bears are favored by three and a half and mostly from home field advantage yeah yeah so that that says if the team is played on a neutral field then the bears might be very very slight favorites um which i think is probably about right I would feel differently if Doug Baldwin and KJ Wright were healthy, but they're not. So I, I think that that's probably a fair spread. So that translates into something like 60 to 65% chance of winning for the Bears. And um, that that seems reasonable. And if that happens and Seahawks fall to 0-1-2, there's going to be a lot of panic, especially since the, the Broncos-Bears was supposed to be the, the quote-unquote easy part of the Seahawks schedule. And if they start 0-2 through that, then they're in a lot of trouble. Give me Mr. Trubisky turnovers. Uh, I'll say one. One, really? That, was actually, <laughs> that, that, that would have been lower than I would have said, and I'd cover this team. <laughs> yeah, the, the lack of pass rush, and uh, if, if Trubisky just plays really conservatively and isn't under pressure much, then it's pretty easy to not turn the ball over in those circumstances. Uh, it's just a question of whether the Seahawks will be able to score and force the Bears into... Uh, playing aggressively, and and I'm kind of skeptical about that. What do you think? I I, I think more so that uh, this game, and I, I, I think it'll be in Khalil Mack's hands. Um, I, I think it's going to be very difficult. I know Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson isn't necessarily Aaron Rodgers and being able to drive a stake into Chicago's heart, but um, he's – Unless he goes like full God mode, I I I see the defense, the Bears defense, mostly taking care of this, and Trubisky not really having, not really having that much pressure. He 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 might make a mistake or two just out of um out of the Bears experimenting more and trying to challenge him more. Um, I I just I, I just see Mac and company um really taking advantage of a poor offensive line. Um, it'll still be close because the the Bears offense won't muster up enough. I don't have. Like you, like, like, like you, like you discussing the defense and being a little depressed about like the kind of talent level they have. I'm that, uh, I, I'm that way with the Bears' offense. I don't have much confidence in them, but I have confidence in that the defense is pretty great and um, can abuse an offense that can't really block. If that makes sense. Yep. Yep. So um, I, I fully expect Mac to have. I mean, this is his Bears' home debut. I fully expect them to have two or three sacks, probably a forced fumble or two. Um, I feel like, you know, there's also Akeem Hicks, Leonard Floyd. They have enough talent to be able to overcome that. And like, like we said at the start of the show, it's going to be a very ugly and trudging game. And, I'm, <laughs> and like, I'm, I'm, I'm already missing football since Sunday night, but I'm not going to be missing it come like 9:30 Central on Monday and be like, okay, just end this already. Just put me out of my. Um, yeah. So Russell Wilson got sacked six times against the Broncos. So we'll we'll see if Khalil Mack and the Bears can beat that. <laughs> Ben, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you finding some time to talk with me. Um, 
to kind of, for both of us to um I guess vent out our frustrations about our team's respective units. I, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. You can follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Baldwin at B E N B B A L D W I N. He writes for the Athletic Seattle. Follow his work, does a lot of great stuff. Follow us on Twitter at WC Gridiron and follow me on Twitter at Robert Siglinski. Bears, Seahawks, Monday Night Football in a few days. Maybe it isn't, maybe it won't be as ugly as we think, hopefully. Anyway, stay classy, everybody. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.